Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year? That matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner. The What Podcast, a podcast for Bonnaroovians by Bonnaroovians. The beards are getting thicker. The hair is getting longer. The days are never ending. Uh, You know, quarantine show number, I feel like we're on number five or six by now. Barry Corner, Florida Taco, Brad Steiner. Uh, joined today by campmate. Um, I don't know if I can really officially call him a campmate, although he has a legendary cartoon giant head on a stick. We've only seen him at camp twice in ten years. Yeah, yeah. I met him. I met him at Camp Nut Butter. Right. He, was, he had a head, and I thought, okay, he's he's you know he's more legit than I am at that uh-huh. point. And then he never was. saw him again. Saw him. <laughs> he, showed up, <laughs> he showed up one day to uh, make some scrambled eggs, and then we never saw him again. He and came strong that year, but then he never came back. Yeah, so joining us today uh, to add a little bit of perspective to where we are in the industry and where we are with uh, all of this uh, coronavirus stuff is Chris Cobb from uh, Exit In and uh, some other venues around the uh, around the southeast. Including, I think he – I didn't – I keep forgetting this. Doesn't he have one in Louisville? Does he have an event space? No, no, no. He was part, he and his partner at one point owned, um, uh, is it the Masquerade? And there's, and, and, uh, and another one in Kansas City. And oh, yeah, Kansas City. Part, that's what it was. Okay. Part owner of the Signal here in Chattanooga, but now he just has Exit In, um, which we talk a little bit about that, but just, I wanted to have him on as a guest to, you know, get that sort of side of it, the independent, uh, the venue owner, what they're going through. But he's also very active in a a new organization called the uh, National Independent Venue Association, Mm -hmm. NEVA, uh, which we didn't really get into it too much. uh, But if you think about it, those guys never they got together to try to get federal money. Uh, with all this, uh, you know, um, the government throwing money at businesses, and and as a independent place with 20 employees, it's a whole lot e- harder to ask for money than if they were all together. Yeah, I see. Um, uh, so they they banded together because there's you know more power in numbers. So um, and hopefully, and he said mentions this a little bit in the conversation. They're hoping to work together. You know, it's uh, makes no 
no sense in reinventing a wheel, as I always like to say. Well, so if, the, other, the other thing that he does for the Nashvilleites that uh, listen or the uh, Tennessee folk uh, that are on the, uh, the on the show today, he also runs uh, Live on the Green, which right. is a really terrific if, if – okay, so I'm in radio. Uh, there is nothing uh, more impressive than what Lightning 100 has done with virtually no ratings in uh, Nashville and put together a really terrific uh, free concert series every week in the summer, well, for a month in the summer, uh, over the last, say, 15, 20 years. And Chris has been the driving force behind all of that on the production and booking side, uh, Lightning 100 being on the, on the radio station side basically organizing it from the top down, uh, Lightning 100 being the official uh, radio station for Bonnaroo. So whenever you're listening to Radio Bonnaroo, you're listening to a production from uh, Lightning 100, Lightning 100, the uh, radio station behind Live on the Green, Live on the Green, produced by Chris Cobb. There we go. There's our three-degree separation for, uh, for the what podcast today. It's a great conversation. I knew it would be. Chris is, uh, I mean, he's, like as you just said, he's got his hands in a lot of uh, things and, and uh, very knowledgeable about what's going on. And unfortunately, I, I think that's the right word, he confirms, echoes exactly what you've been saying and what we've been saying on this show for the last yeah. several weeks in, in that this thing has a long way to go before we even get yeah. Before we even start, I don't even, what's not reopening, not normal. Yeah. We're not going to be tell normal, you, but I tell you, the, we've got a long way to go. The only thing that you need to worry about and we need to worry about is, is human beings who want to go do things. Um, just keep watching the news for vaccine news because yeah. nothing's going to happen until a vaccine hits. And hearing that there is, there is, there's positive movement on that uh, from I forget who it was today. It wasn't somebody from Johns Hopkins, but it was it was at least positive movement in the in the direction of finding a vaccine. That's the only way we get out of this is if uh, there is a vaccine available and that you can present a card that you have been vaccinated uh, the second you walk into a live music venue. That seems to me like the only way we get out of this um, and into a, a space where we can begin to look at large festivals or large gatherings more than just the 250 uh yeah. space club before we get into chris though uh by the way this would be a great time for if you wanted to be a beer sponsor for the what podcast <laughs> this would be a great time for a product placement hello pbr thank you oh pbr you yeah you've yeah. got some extra money right now pbr let's hear it <laughs> nice. uh, i want to just go through a couple of things that happened um this week speaking of radio stations I've got to hand it to a radio station that I compete with here in New Orleans. Now, I can't really say I compete with them. They're an NPR station. WWOZ, which found fame with the TV show Treme, which was on HBO. They were a, they're an institution in New Orleans. They mostly run NPR, but throughout the day, it's, it's jazz and New Orleans heritage sort of, uh, sort of music. They figured out a way to take recordings from like the last 30 years of jazz fest and they've been running them for nine hours a day 10 hours a day every thursday friday saturday and sunday over the last two weeks it has been phenomenal absolutely phenomenal to listen to it's gone from big frida to irma thomas you know it, it is as close to as because they're all live recordings 
it is close to feeling like I'm at Jazz Fest as I could have been. Right. Now, we've talked about how live recordings don't work, uh, especially when you're watching them through a computer. But I'll tell you, for, for a radio nerd like me, it works over the radio. It works over the radio when we're all communally doing something. Now, we live five blocks from Jazz Fest. So I get to walk my neighborhood every day, and every single house is communally doing the same thing, which is listening to Jazz Fest in place and walking around with daiquiris and cocktails. It has been phenomenal. And if there is a way to make that happen, should there be no Bonnaroo or should there not be a festival, the guide will be WWOZ and Jazz Fest in place. Now, I don't know how you get that to work because I don't think it works on a screen for some reason. I've watched all these live performances, Barry. They don't work when I'm watching them, you know? They work yeah. when I'm standing because concerts are standing things and walking around and doing something and be able to talk to your friends. We've had people have been over at each other's houses. They've been hanging out in yards. It, it works over the radio. It doesn't work over a screen. And yeah. if, if I can, if I can, if something's going to happen as a communal thing, like, like Bonnaroo or, you know, shaky knees it's not going to be via a live stream on a tv or a computer well you had it playing when when we signed on to or, or hillary did and mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean that makes sense i hadn't thought of it that way i mean it, it helps that you're five blocks from you know it where does. so it has to have that sense of place it has to be amazing you're in new right. orleans where jazz fest jazz fest is an institution right uh probably i mean yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, there are, and that's the power of radio. I don't want, I can't see me sitting on a couch watching hours of past Bonnaroo shows. Right, but if uh, it, but if they did it via like a Bonnaroo app and did Bonnaroo radio. Absolutely, absolutely. And we all got to listen to it that way, communally doing the same thing. I, I, I got to imagine it would work. And, and, people, and people like us would communally get together you know, if if we did if we did Bonnaroo Radio and and Bonnaroo's app listed a grid of an entire Wednesday through Sunday of of previous Bonnaroo performances and streamed them, we could have a, a Bonnaroo listening party at the Moxie in Chattanooga and do a live podcast, or yeah. uh, we could get together with our Bonnaroo friends and just. It, there's got to be a way of doing this. It's not a, a live stream. Is my is my whole point. Yeah, oh, I got to way because I'm not sitting around watching stuff through screens. It just doesn't work. No, no, I I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, just hearing what you that little bit was, uh, I got it. It's it seems really cool. So the other thing that I noticed because uh, the big uh, food, the big um, jazz fest food, is uh, they're they're delivering it. So the people, the food at jazz fest is all done locally. And uh, the local people, since they don't have Jazz Fest, they're delivering the Jazz Fest food while you Jazz Fest in place. And one of the foods that is being delivered, one of the classic Jazz Fest foods, is called crawfish bread. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something about this. It is, it is a loaf of bread berry, and inside of it is two different types of melted cheese and crawfish. It simultaneously gives you your fat and bread <laughs> to soak up alcohol. It yeah. is the perfect festival food. It's perfect. Yeah. It's like pizza times 10. 
It, it sounds like that poutine we had up there. Yeah, but, that's not, but the poutine didn't have the bread on it, right? No, but it had fries. It had fries. I know, but too greasy, too oily. This was not as oily. I thought we were it's talking so about hangover food. I'm talking yeah. about I'm talking about the perfect festival food. I found it, guys. I have found it. That's hangover it. food, isn't it? It's crawfish pie. It's crawfish pie. It sounds it sounds delicious. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then the final th oh, two other things. Speaking of crawfish, uh, one of our uh, people that we see every year in guest camping, and he's also out in uh, the pods. Apparently, last year he's in pod nine. Was a uh, crawfish king. So Superfly buys uh this guy doesn't buy he, they hired this guy to come in and do food for pods and for the guest services thing and he does a crawfish boil every thursday at uh at guest camping there's a wednesday it might be thursday uh in guest camping and then he does it in all the other pods around the weekend and uh i ran into him just completely by random at this random gas station in gentilly and i'm like oh my god it's a bonnaroo guy and so we get to spend some time talking Bonnaroo, and I think that he wants to uh, join us on the podcast yep. very soon. Awesome. Crawfish King. Love it. Yeah. And then, and then one final thing. Superfly, uh, Superfly for people was a co-founder of Bonnaroo, and yeah. they were in, they're in New Orleans. Uh, mm -hmm. They were originally. So just to. And they're not part of not part of Bonnaroo anymore. And they're uh, not and then, in New Orleans anymore. <laughs> and the final thing is, is uh, Barry was on a podcast this past week. <laughs> I've got some. Yep. I've got some. I've got some questions for you, Barry. Okay, go ahead. All right. So, tell me the the podcast that you found yourself on uh, this past week. I was on with the Ruham guys, or Ruham guy. Yeah, Taco was on there the day before, and then I did it uh, Friday for a little while. Yeah, I was on Thursday, and uh, he he was basically doing one day every day this week, work mm -hmm. week, talking about a different year of Bonnaroo from like 2015, 2016. So I came on 2018, mm -hmm. and then Barry came on Friday to talk about 2019 last year. Well, it's nice of them to include everybody at the what podcast. Uh, it's nice of them, but I just must have missed that invite. They went with they 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 went they aimed high. But yeah. here's, <laughs> we can get you on. We know someone. Good. Uh, <laughs> here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that that I I tuned in. Uh, I think that uh, you'd be very surprised. I, uh, I was. I I, were you surprised? Why? Yeah. Uh, just, just was surprised. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys? Well, because it wasn't about you. Oh, okay. So you didn't I, uh, tune in for me. I didn't know what was happening. If had I not talked to Barry five minutes before it happened, I would I not have turned it on. So I, I, I watched Barry for a second. First off. Of course, he was late uh, because the old man couldn't figure out how to work technology, which I found to be hysterical. But secondly, Barry, I'm glad the set looks better today, but I, um, you looked like you were mentioned. in a halfway house yesterday. You had ceiling tiles falling. You had ductwork exposed. What in the world was happening at that house? I know, and I, I, I was so embarrassed by that. It's going to get fixed this week. <laughs> For those who don't know, I remodeled my kitchen several years ago, and I had to tear the ceiling out in this office to get to plumbing and electrical, and I haven't replaced the ceiling. <laughs> and I normally do this with my computer camera, and yesterday was Instagram, which I hadn't planned on, which meant I had to use my phone, which meant I stood here and was pointing up at that horrible ceiling. So It, it, lo it looked like you had 
I know. It looked like it looked like you needed to take a bathroom break while you were rescuing your kid from a junkie's house. Wow, that's that's descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> It was. It did not look like a residential be- building. It looked like yeah. something that was about to catch on fire. It's fair. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm. I'm ashamed, and it's going to get fixed. I've actually made some improvements in here today for that very reason. Well, it looks great today. Today, it's it's a step in the right direction. Well, lesson learned. And I was yeah. I was late, not because I couldn't figure out the technology, though that caused me to be 20 seconds late. I was late because I had an unbelievable interview uh, for the paper about something that we'll get into sometime later. But uh, okay. it's a pretty cool thing. Do you want me to go through these Patreons? Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of Patreons to go through. Sure. Let's go yeah, through them all. Uh, and the Mike Tyson Group, Aaron Carlson, Bill, and David Grimes. Thanks to these guys, by the way. Frank Swanson, Lisa Condor, Phil Hanley, Timothy Proctor, Chloe Ham, Hannon, excuse me, I bet I say that wrong every week. Chloe Hannon, Dan Sweeney, Dustin Garrick, Haley, Mary T, Melody and Jesse Feldman, Mitchell Stafford, Musical Antlers, Parker Reed, Skylar Torrey, Chelsea Davis, Evan Brown, Gordon Silver, Jason Hazelbaker, Joshua Herndon, Lauren Edholm, Linda Doles, Lucy Young, Nick Yeatman, Ross McNamara, Ryan Matthewson, Sean McCarthy, Tyrone Basket, William Richards, Clay Wilhoyt, Andrew McBride, Catherine Riccio, David Solano, Jacob Marty, Justin Nigro, Meredith Rittman, Brooke Tussie, Daniel, and Sharla Horton, David Henson, Ella, Bill Nye, and Sean McCain. I could have sworn we said the word some Patreons, <laughs> not all. We don't have much any more time, do we? I guess not. No, we got to talk to Chris. Uh, this is a really, really fun conversation. Uh, it's a little lengthy, so come back to it if you need to. Uh, but uh, we appreciate you listening to What Podcast. Uh, Chris Cobb from Exit In and Live on the Green on What Podcast. All right. Well, all right, Chris and Brad, I wanted to ask. You guys remember, I don't remember, remember the year, probably 10, 11, sitting around Camp Nut Butter and Denson saying, you know, in about 10 years, there's going to be this pandemic and we're all going to be sheltering at home and uh, trying to figure out how to make a living. Yeah. I, and I pulled Denson because he'd be the only one who would know what a freaking pandemic is. <laughs> you remember when that happened? Uh, no, uh, because <laughs> I can't imagine Denson having any sort of forethought that anything had happened much less 15 minutes than 10 years. <laughs> Um, but so, it is, it is a very strange thing. And, and seeing Chris, uh, via, uh, Skype and video is more than actually seeing him at Bonnaroo, <laughs> which is, uh, too bad. Let's set the stage for everybody. So Chris Cobb, uh, thanks for joining us. Chris owns Exit Inn in Nashville and Live on the Green, correct? Well, I don't own Live on the Green, but I've, I've been there since the beginning. Been working okay, uh, and uh, you are this guy. Oh, there yeah, I am. That's his head right over the uh, oh, I see the shoulder there. There's yeah. our head, there's his head on uh, the Camp Nut Butter uh, row of heads. So, yeah, and as a we, late, we call, we call them inmates, Barry. We inmates. call them inmates. <laughs> Proof I was there at least once, yeah. yeah. And you were there last year, strangely. Uh, the only one not there is Dewar, who's on there somewhere. We had actually everybody that's on that was there last year except for the guy who uh 
started or was the first there been every year and then Mike yeah. Dewar. So um, anyway, well, be actually since since you brought that up, it's an interesting question. You you got to Bonnaroo. God knows, I don't know when we did those giant cartoon heads on sticks. I think it might have been 2012. You might be right about that. And then you weren't there for a while, and then you came back last year. Why the gap, and why last year brought you back? Well, um, I had a I had work conflicts for a number of years. Um, so, Not allowed. Yeah. Not allowed. So I went down the first, um, I think seven. Uh, six or seven, I made it consecutively, and then uh, and then I got too old to leave the uh, the CMA site and drive to Bonnaroo and drive back and work CMA again the next morning. Oh. So so I had to retire for a few years. Well, that's something I didn't even know. What do you do at CMA? Yeah, I didn't either. Well, um, I used I, I used to work CMA fast, and I haven't in a number of years. Um, I managed to stage down there for five or six years and then and then I managed a zone um, you know, which is one of the internal ways that the areas are mapped out on the site and uh, and then I made the huge mistake of taking over signage for the festival one year and that that brought upon my retirement <laughs> wait you're gonna have to start over I don't know what signage means what, what does that mean in actuality when you actually have to put to, is it literally hanging signs organizing signs is that my being too dumb here? That's the question I should have asked when I said this. <laughs> well, I can do it. <laughs> so what happened that year was um, there, there was uh, a change of the guard in the production crew. And uh, turns out nobody really knew what it meant. But what it ended up meaning was going to the warehouse, figuring out everything that existed, inventorying all the signage, determining if there were gaps in the inventory, having new signs created if so, and then getting everything distributed uh, throughout the site, the grounds of CMA, which of course are quite large. But it has nothing to do with actually like designing the signs or measuring or printing them yourself or finding a printer, none of that stuff. That's all taken care of by somebody else. Oh yeah, I could never okay. do anything like right. that. No, I just I, I'm typically I'm best working from here down. You know, only only time anyone's ever hired me is for here down. Just like the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you go with what you're good at, man. That's my philosophy. The other thing that Chris does, um, I mean, obviously all of this is related to to what we do here, uh, Brad and Russ. But the other thing is, you are now. And maybe the title has changed, but you're what Southeast Chief of the <laughs> National Independent Venues Association, which is brand new. Um, and I'm curious to talk about that. There's, I mean, you guys are part. You, you got together to try to get federal money, relief money during this pandemic, right? But your hope is that more comes of it ongoing. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but. I'll let you describe what it is. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Uh, you said it right there, Barry. Um, precinct captain is what you're looking for. Which I like. Chief not better. A, uh, well, <laughs> me too. Uh, which I think that's an internal term, mostly. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's certainly not an official title. Um, right. But yeah, so uh, I think it's been maybe 20 days now, almost three weeks. I got a text from Dana Frank who owns first Ave up in minneapolis and she said hey um 
are you getting on these these town hall meetings that um, Independent Venue Week has been doing? And I said, no, I haven't had time. And she said, you need to get on there. And also, uh, hey, uh, you need to. Uh, she said, here, you need to. Uh, we need to chat. And um, so, so you know, a uh, couple call a call with um, with her and, and Gary Witt out of Minneapolis, who owns the Paps Theater Group up there. Um, and Audrey in DC, communications director for all the IMP venues for Anthem and 9:30 and Meriwether Post, and um, ended up, you know, spending a bunch of time over the course of about two days on calls. And I think that's when Zoom blew out my speakers on my laptop. Actually, uh, just uh, just talking about the issues and 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 um, with those three and trying to figure out how to navigate them, and then. The Independent Venue Week thing that I mentioned um, is an initiative that was started by a PR agency out of New York called Marauder um, three years ago. And Exident participated last year and was going to participate again this year. But um, long story short, it's just a celebration of independent venues across the country. And you would take a week um, and everybody in the country during this one week in the summer declares that it's Independent Venue Week. And books local talent and hang some signs and does a media push really just to raise awareness around independent venues. So what ended up happening was that became the de facto means of communication for all of us independent venues, just because really Marauder and Independent Venue Week were the only, the only people with a database. It's the only way for us to all connect. So, so Moose, um, the Reverend Moose, uh, the Marauder, he he's, owns Marauder, I believe he's the owner. Um, managing partner, I think, actually, if I can visualize his email. Um, he started hosting these town halls and just saying, hey, jump on this Zoom, we're all going to talk, you know. And, and I got on that, that, I was on the second one, I missed the first one. There's like over 100 people, independent operators across the country, just, just talking, just having a conversation, like, What's going on in Seattle? What's going on in Oklahoma? You know, what are you guys? How are you guys handling it? All that, and um, and out of that, and out of um, you know Dana saying, we've got to um, organize, you know, as a group, um, the Ind National Independent Venue Association was born, about, I think, twenty days ago today. Wow. And we're thirteen hundred members when I looked on Friday. Wow, when you and I talked, it was what four hundred maybe, yeah, three seventy-five, something like that. Yeah, we're it was been adding about one hundred and twenty-five a day every day for over wow. a week. But, Go but ahead, for, Brad, the, I'm for sorry. those that for those that don't maybe don't follow this as closely as we do, there is there is a difference between an independent venue and a venue. Um, whereas, give me the number as to how many venues around the country maybe not an exact number but how many venues around the country owned by and ran by aeg and live nation versus how many are ran by independents like you and and the the members in your group well i don't know but i could tell you that the big two aeg and live nation have somewhere between 80 percent and 90 percent of the global market share uh, i can't give you numbers of exact rooms uh, nobody really can which is one of the what's challenges that, what's that in america what's that in our country Oh, I think it's I think it's about the same. Oh, okay. it's, it's 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 upward of eighty, over eighty, I believe. So yeah, it's a you know um, that's a that's a big number, right? For, yeah. For any for any business, but so yeah, you know, I hope Barry that 
most of us get through this thing. Um, you know, some of the some of the polling um, and data collection that Neva has been doing among members and in all these different marketplaces, uh, cities and towns across the country, is saying that you know without additional assistance, uh, somewhere around ninety percent of independent venues are staring at extinction. Um, wow. You know, aren't going to make it to the other side of this crisis. So yes, while the long term hope you know, it's, and, and it's not even a hope. I mean, that part will happen. Um, the long-term, now there's an organization and that is great. The problem is that the, the, so, so there is light at the end, right? But the tunnel is, is so long and, and without something happening, a lot of people are not going to get out of it. So yeah, we're, uh, we're all over the feds for, uh, for money, for independent music venues. That is the goal right now. And just just to be very clear, Brad, you you hit on it, but for people out there, because I asked the exact same question, what what defines an independent venue? And it basically is someone who is not either owned or booked by essentially one of those big two, right, Chris? Yeah, controlled. Yeah, um, yeah. owned by um, or exclusively booked by, which is right. really how they they control venues that they don't own. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't mean um, a single. An independent like yourself can own more than one. I just want to. I just make those distinctions because I had the same questions. Absolutely. Again, yeah, some um, some guys can own to, four, five, six, or whatever. Yeah, which is part of the problem with the first round of the CARES and the PPP funds. Um, you know, the restaurants were were able to get in there early and get it, get it changed so that um, you know the the number of employees per location exemption that restaurants got, music venues did not receive. So if you are a small group, a venue group like the Pabst Theater Group in Minneapolis or the 930 Club Group in Washington, D.C., you are not eligible for PPP funding if your entire company had more than 500 employees. Not 500 per venue. You know, IMP is five venues. So they definitely have more than 500 employees and therefore not eligible for funding. Yeah. Whereas restaurant groups were able to get that change for themselves. So that's one of the changes we're asking for for music venues as well. And let me add too, Brad, I know you got a question, but I, I had to, I was talking to a, a guy here um, and I didn't quite understand myself why it seemed like venues and bars and live music in particular was sort of at the top of the do not, you know, the shutdown list. And it's because they don't want people lingering, is what I was told. So, because we have too much fun. Yeah, you too much fun. But everybody's elbow to elbow having fun, and they're lingering. Exactly. Whereas, theoretically, a restaurant or now like uh, farmers markets and whatnot, you get in, you get your stuff, and you get out. So, just, I just want to throw that into for people like me who are wondering why is live music being picked on, and, and that's the idea. Before we get into like what the rest of the year looks like, financially, how do you? And I know I know the generic answer to the question, but how do you make ends meet currently with literally no nothing outside of a PPP loan? Are you coming up with creative ways to to bring shows to people? Are you um, doing Kickstarters? Or like, I I wouldn't even know where to start. Well. Yeah, that's the question, right? Um, and the, and the, the problem is, is that we put on shows. 
I mean, at the core, um, that's what we all do. And so while a restaurant can turn to curbside um, and maybe still do what they do, uh, we're 100% prohibited from, from doing what we do, putting on a live experience. And, and the, way that, <clears throat> the way that our businesses are structured, the, the, uh, the margins are small. And which is why clubs run as much volume as you see them do. You know, we don't do 20 shows a month at Exit Inn because we're all workaholics. We do it because we've, we've got to do it to make the math work. And, and so um, while we have come up with some ways to generate a little bit of revenue, it's basically, you know, we had a fire hose before and now we're, we've got a trickle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really doesn't put a dent in it, unfortunately. Now, it's been, you know, kind of good for mental health and fun to to work on the merch line and roll out a bunch of cool new, you know, we got some uh, we got some sweatpants for the quarantine, exit in sweatpants. We thought that was appropriate. Um, Boy, I hope on. I hope exit and in found its way on the right side of the pant. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Boy, we might need to redesign. Uh, and, and I do think, you know, we're, we're already seeing some live stream stuff everywhere, right? So, and I, I believe um, that that most, a lot of venues are going to have an opportunity to host some live streams in a safe manner uh, and, and stream audience-free from their facilities probably soon. And I think fans and artists alike are ready for uh, a little bit more quality in those experiences. So I think there's an opportunity there. Um, man, yeah, I was watching uh, into the uh, the Radiohead Public Library over the weekend. Um, if you haven't been there, check it out. Like basically, everything they've ever created is free uh, on their website right now. And uh, well, gosh, you, that you're. It's interesting that you said it because um, it's something that I have. I can't believe somebody hasn't figured out and do yet. You're in Nashville, right? So you've got a a good swath of, of local musicians. Uh, I'm in New Orleans. We do too. You know, the the Lumineers. Uh, I'm sorry, the Revivalists are having just as a hard time making ends meet these days as anybody else. Um, so I don't understand why you have like this swath of of, of artists. They should maybe even Gavin McGraw in uh, Nashville should be going door to door and playing in front of people's doors. Uh, you know, you drop me a uh, hundred bucks. I would pay $100 to have Kermit Ruffins come to my house and start playing the trombone right in front of my door. That'd be pretty baller. Um, you know, you just, you just put the 100 out there, see what happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw, right, right. I saw yeah. a woman locally. I don't live in that good of a neighborhood. <laughs> Fair. I saw a woman locally here who's, um, she's, a, she's an artist, she's a musician, and uh, she's cooking. Um, you know, like basically catering style to go, like... Uh, like a, a dish of uh, enchiladas, and then and then she's got her deck. And when you come, to, you could order food, come pick it up, and she plays, she performs for you yep. when you pick there it you up. Go. And and it's huge, you know. That's it. She slams. That's she can't it. keep up with demand. Yeah, and, and I will say it, it does suck. All of this sucks, but there's got to there's out of it's going to come some sort of creative new thing that. Uh, makes a lot of this easier because like you said was so interesting it's it's a fire hose and now a trickle and so many industries are realizing that they have one source of 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 ability to make income right and when that one source goes away you look around like Ooh, uh yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a tough. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing. I mean, we we own a we own a we own a tea shop. You know, uh, when you can't come in and buy tea, there's only so much online ordering you can do. Uh, how do you diversify a product without you know taking away from the overall mission? I'll add to it's that. I, mean, I think part of what we're finding out too, Brad, is that there's one source of income coming in, but that even a shop like yours has a lot of people relying on it. Uh, you know, the delivery people, the cleaning people, the the staff, obviously, you guys. The, pe the so, people who send us herbs, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and I, you got to have the same problem with, with venues as well. I mean, you, you probably, your, your, your staff probably has it um, a little bit differently because they also work probably other jobs. Um, so, you know, they've, they've got other, you know, people looking out for them as well. Uh, especially, I, I guess I can imagine a lot of your staff was also shared with restaurant uh, industry people too. Man, they're all in unemployment and, yeah. and collecting really good money, which is a whole other problem. And I'd like to talk about that. And I'd like to talk oh. about herbs. Oh, Chris. We, we, could, um, we could talk about the PPP problems all day because like, having, like, having a staff that is making more money on unemployment than they were at the actual tea shop is the biggest loophole that nobody saw coming uh, with all of this. And nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care. Yeah, I hope you're wrong. I mean, I hope they're going to I hope DC is going to figure out um, how to tweak some of these rules. Um, I, I was funded last week. So is everybody okay? My cat just had a heart attack. Uh, what do you what do you mean by funded? What does that mean? I I've got a PPP loan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and you know I was felt extremely fortunate. It was a you know it was a good day. Oh, there's Barry's head. I just saw it. It's big. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, that's no, that's, no, that's Sean. That's Sean's giant round mound. Oh, well, is this, it? yeah. This is news to you. Yeah, Barry's got a huge head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. So man, I, I got funded, and I was like, sweet, you know, the uh, this is amazing news. And then I spent all week um, trying to figure out how to get that money to, to uh, the handful of of salaried employees that I had kept on over the course of the last six weeks. And come Friday afternoon, I, I just finally accepted the fact that they're better off on unemployment because the rules are, are such a hot mess. But then, but, but, but the second that they're on unemployment, that means they are just not employed, which then screws you over because you've got to pay 75% of that loan to employees, which means you have to hire somebody to give that money to. Uh, so who, who's, who's getting hired? Uh, and and, and who, who, who do you want to hire over the people that you have counted on for however long you've counted on them? And when they want to come back, you get, who, who are you firing now? Uh, yeah, here, who's replacing who? It's, it, it's a good luck. Herein, herein lies the first layer of, of issues with this mess, as you mentioned. And, and uh, even if I wanted to hire somebody, uh, they're going to be really hard to find because, again, um, Everybody in the hospitality industry is sitting around picking up uh, 875 a week right now, um, which was which was more than they were making on salary with me. And right. and specifically to get into the details, um, I've got folks on a small salary uh, who then bartend as well. And those are the people that it really was a head scratcher all week trying to sort through like, well, you know, they make 
70% of their annual money through tips. Um, and there was some speculation that I could go back and average their tips and then pay that tip average out uh, as a bonus over eight weeks, which is the timeline that's given to us by the PPP. And I spent all week doing the math and trying to figure it out and wrap my head around it, talking to my accountant, who is so sick of hearing from me, and my banker and other accountants and other bankers and other business owners. And ultimately, um, nobody could figure out what you were getting at was the forgiveness aspect of the PPP loan. Nobody has the answers of whether or not, if I do that, that those, that, that money will then be forgiven by the mm-hmm. bank and That's by right. the federal government. And That's so right. if it's not forgiven, all I'm doing is saddling my business with debt when it is closed and we don't know when it's going to reopen. So it's a really bummer of a decision to wax and wane on all week long. But ultimately, I was frustrated because I, all the information that I need to make the right decision isn't available. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. what really tore me up about it. And not only that, every time that you called somebody, they probably had a different answer than yeah. the time they talked to you before. And, and we're talking like this is the problem that's happening now. Uh, I'm sure that you have horror stories of just trying to apply for the loan to begin with, because our situation was the most convoluted. It, like, it made no sense. Everybody we talked to had a different answer. Uh, then they didn't have an answer. And then all of a sudden you hear on the news, ah, out of money. And then you're like, wait, we haven't heard anything back. So you wait, there's this buffer of a week that we had to figure out whether or not there was even something coming. It, it was such a messy process. And, and even now it's, it's, it's even messier, but in a totally different way. Can I, let me, let me throw in, cause as, as somebody who's been writing about this since the beginning, it feels like this, this week we made a, I'm not going to say over the curve, but something different happened. We, we, we started opening things like restaurants. And what we found um, is, like in your case, Chris, even if you could, you have to be at half capacity, right? So now you got to figure out the math. How do you make, I mean, as you said earlier, the margins were already tight and low. So now you've got to figure out how to make enough money to survive with half capacity and bring your employees back if that's even possible, right? Could you run half capacity right now if you wanted to in Tennessee? <clears throat> Not at Exit Inn. No, 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 got... no, 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 I'm using no, we still can't okay. do it. Okay. I do have a spot next door to Exit Inn, hurry back, that we could run. Um, well, we can't because I'm in Nashville, I'm in Davidson, so we're still under uh, the mayor's orders. Uh, if I was a county over, I could. Um, and and we've been doing a little bit of, we've been trying to do some delivery and curbside. Uh, we've been doing it. It just hasn't been very successful. Yeah, plus I had uh, my uh, wife is the innkeeper here, Chris, at a place. And my uh, sister called to ask if her two college-age kids could maybe get a job. Hadn't even thought of that. I mean, not to... I mean, we. I want to talk to you about this, but it just imagine kids coming home for summer, looking for summer work when you've got you know your regular people not working. So it's it's so many layers to this thing. But uh, um, yeah, just, it's just it's not a simple matter of just opening the front door, is it? That we've been saying that from the beginning, and and that's my point about we've. We've gotten to this point now where we're starting to talk about reopening, 
and the realities are are hitting people smack in the face. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know, Barry. You know, we had Tennessee had its highest day uh, case count on Friday. Now I think eight hundred of those came out of a prison. Um, so that that certainly skews the numbers in a big way. But I wake up every morning and go to that New York Times page with the uh, with the state and county data for every state and county around the country, and I look at Nashville and I look at the state of Tennessee, um, and that line is it's it's just going up. Yeah. Well, and and if you were to let's just like shits and giggles, if you were to open Ooh. right now, do you have any confidence that you would even get people into your room? Man, uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, no, yeah, no. We skip, we skip right past like buying thermometers, right. and putting in pumpless yeah. everything, yeah. and spending you know ten thousand dollars on all that crap, and yeah. finding security. Who let's just set the PPP aside and say that people want to work. Like, okay, but now your job is taking people's temperatures, like. Which, oh, by the way, guys. I have never wanted more than a giant bouncer to start putting thermometers in my body. Boy, oh boy, when we decided to make the bouncers the head medical staff of uh, event venues is... Are we going, okay. are we going back to the, to the exit in sweatpants here or not? Yeah, my guess. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, oh, a show. I, uh, <laughs> consumer, consumer confidence is at an all-time low, A, and B, nobody has any money. So that's why, that's why this federal, you know, initiative with NEVA um, and and Congress fixing the CARES, uh, the CARES Act in version four here in May and figuring out how to get more money to those most effective, um, is absolutely critical to not only what we're talking about but like the recovery of the country, um, because. Uh, we're going to be closed a long time, a lot longer than they thought. A and B, once we are able to open, who's coming out? You know, how long is it going to take to rebuild the 75% capacity that we were averaging? Uh, you know, um, it took us decades to get there. Frankly, 75 is a high number. It's not going to turn right back on. Well, that's mm. what we've got to get to make money back to the thin margins. You know, so a it's going to be tough. Time. Let me ask, because uh, I had a conversation and it was private, so I won't name names, but you, name you, all, names. you all know him. Um, uh, is his look, head behind you? His head is behind <laughs> you. Um, but he said something about he's got he's trying to book. He's rebooking shows, right? Rescheduling. But he's got the acts calling and they're trying to negotiate money. Um, and, and Brad, we probably ought to have some acts on to talk about it from that side. But from your end, Chris, I mean, you're looking at 50% maximum of what you used to have. What And what is the capacity of exit in? 500. So now you're at 250. And if you're booking a show that was, say, they wanted $5,000 for, you know, a 500 are they coming at you saying we'll do, we'll do it for twenty five, or are they saying we want five because we're starving? Or I mean, you know what I'm saying? What? How is that negotiation going right now? If it is even happening, it, it's happening. Um, it's ha it's definitely happening. I I work with great 
agents and managers and artists myself and and so the conversations that i've been having with with these folks are super easy uh and positive and it's basically like we're going to figure it out together how to make it work um so what you know where seven weeks ago it was who can who can walk away with one more penny you know than, than the other party i mean um, which is just a derivative, I think, of a business that was booming for 10 years, um, but it stopped. And so the conversation I've had have been, um, yeah, let's confirm the date uh, for, you know, Q4 or Q1 or Q2 of 2021, which are really the, sh the conversations I'm having are really 2021, if I'm talking about booking. And we're confirming dates, but we're not confirming a deal. We're not confirming terms on the money because because nobody knows, you know? It, it's gonna be a rebuild and we've gotta get it right. And we've gotta be partners. You guys hearing that or is that yeah, just me? It's, hey. you know, it's my air compressor in the garage just there. <laughs> I hope it's nice to it'll cool kick, in there. It'll kick off in a minute. So. Oh, so, so uh, let's just hang on. Let's just pause for a minute. <laughs> Probably should. You want me to go turn it off? It's terrible. Oh, geez, Louise. It sounds like you're... Does Dexter it's... live in your garage? Uh, it's... I forgot what I was doing. It's air hose. Hang you're on. You're chopping bodies up there. <laughs> hey, can you Jeez, air up my tire while you're back there? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Real quick, since we have a break, how many tires, uh, who is this guy in the bottom corner here for me, and how many tires does that thing you're in have? That's Lord Taco. <laughs> He's the Lord of Tweeting and Communicating Online, producer of the uh, What Podcast, and uh, and our new member of uh, Camping Up Butter last year. He was the one that brought the uh, the green Volkswagen bus. Last ah, year. Yeah, nice, he's actually yeah. sitting in it right now. I'm, yeah, I'm actually sitting in it right now, and uh, you know it's been sitting in the garage for like a month, so I just turned it into a, a podcast studio. But uh, yeah, I don't know, I can't remember if we met uh, last year at Bonnaroo or not, Chris. But uh, it's nice to see you. My pleasure. I'm jealous. Taco of... at the time was chasing tail. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, look at him. He was right. being chased. I yeah. He I was also being had, chased. I also had less of this back then. Yeah, less of what? Your, your camera's not working. Fair. <laughs> Yeah, Barry's the <laughs> Barry's the only one that's I is shaving here. I, what, no, what's no, he's at, no. That's actually him growing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why I've shaved because that's what it looks like. There's about a two week period where it's not attractive. So, so, so you talk you talked about like starting to rebook acts and it mostly being in Q1. But is there a possibility that you see uh, something happening in the fourth quarter? starting September or October? Any chance whatsoever? God, I hope so. I mean, sure, there's a chance, you know. Um, there's a chance. I, I'm certainly no expert. Uh, experts don't even seem to know. Um, wife and I took a country cruise yesterday and found, like, a abandoned park and popped down and had a picnic. And, you know, I couldn't help but sit there and, and uh, think to myself, man, those folks who were saying this is going to go away when it gets warm, God, you know, even if it comes back, man, part of me really hopes that that they're right. Um, just feeling normal for a little bit yeah. and getting out and about um, was yeah. was so great. So, you know, I don't I don't know, man. I need a we need a breakthrough, right? I, I, I need let, let me change. Let, let me make it a little bit more pointed. Do you have people who are even willing to to call and and inquire 
about. That's me this time. That's I was the, gonna, uh, let's just blame that's, Derek. That's the weather radio. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, apparently, there's a, there's a thunderstorm warning somewhere in Tennessee. Do you have anyone calling and willing to book something in September or October? Yeah, the industry is pretty much still holding the line on Labor Day. Um, okay. All the you know all the fe- all the summer festivals have, for the most part, all the ones I'm aware of, have been pushed to either Labor Day or later. Um, where you know if you go if you find a calendar of the festivals this year now they're. Uh, <laughs> Dog too. <laughs> 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 dog back there. What you got, Taco? What you? Uh, apparently, I'm the only one with nothing. Uh, no background God, noise. I swear to God, if a PBR explodes in his <laughs> truck, <laughs> don't say we that. We know it's all over. <laughs> I tried to get one as quietly as I could. <laughs> I love it. I'm so sorry. There, there, there's a chance. There, there's a chance where you know the the festivals are holding on. Um, to Labor Day and later, uh, all the October stuff that was scheduled, all the things that got moved into October, a lot of those are still uh, a go today, um, you know, hopefully. So we're, that, we're, the industry really is trying me. to have. That really surprised uh, me because there has not been a conversation I've had with anyone that tells me uh, anything before November 1st. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just... I can't, and, and what I've been trying to stress on, on this conversation with Barry over the last few weeks is there's just, I can't imagine a world where um, we get to September or September 10th and there is a festival or a series of festivals happening in a few weeks and September 10th hits and all of a sudden there's 110 cases in the country or 150 oh. cases. And then all of a sudden guys like you are caught in this thing like, oh my God, do I do, what do we do? Because any, we've seen how this has played out before. A hundred turns into a thousand, a thousand turns into 10,000. What do we do now when we're looking at two weeks from now, we have a festival happening or in, 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 in 10 days, we have the biggest show of our, of our year, essentially. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah. No, don't get me, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's happening. And, but, and, and a lot of it has to do with revenue projections, you know, for the for the big monster companies. Once once that stuff's officially gone, they have to take it off their books, and that's not going to be good for stock value. Um, so, you know, so a lot of it is just that game. Um, but my Barry, we talked about this. Um, the last thing I want to do is is uh, is have a false start, so to speak, and crank the engine back up and get back to work. And then have to shut it back down. I, as much as the current situation is really bad for independent operators, small business owners, local restaurants, tea shops, everybody else, if we have to go, if we go in and crank it all back up and rehire and invest all that money into new inventory and everything else, and then we have to shut it down again eight weeks later. Ah, man, that's scary. A lot of us yeah. won't get out of that. Yeah, not not only is there is there economic ramifications, but I'll I'll damn near say that the mental anguish that that right. will cause will throw this country into an absolute war. I mean, you've got you've got lunatics running up into city halls with guns, trying to protest their ability to get out and get their roots dyed. You know. Yeah. If, those, if are, I, those are patriots. 
Yes, they are. And, and although Ranch Covidians. And although <laughs> I do understand what you're saying about I, that. I wish that for a few months this could just go away and be normal. I actually worry that that's going to cause more of a problem. You know, if we yeah. get a taste, if we get a taste of normalcy, and then we have to go back into what we've just been gone gone through the last two and a half months, three months. Uh, this is this is going to cause riots. Because yeah. riots. We, we can only control the controllables, right? But uh, and and if it goes away, then then you know everyone's actions will change. I I agree with you completely. Um, there's there's very much a part of me that that I, I, like I said I don't want to reopen exit in until there's a vaccine honestly right. or some kind of other yeah. medical breakthrough that makes sure that this thing is gone yeah. but you know go to the park and have a picnic and then tell me about how much some little part of you would say it's okay true. if we could get a two month reprise on this thing and then we had to go it's back true. to it at least parts of my life would we, be better we live next to uh, the bayou. Uh, by St. John in New Orleans, and uh, we walk there every day. And uh, it happens every so often that a girl on a pedicab will be cycling around the bayou, and in the back of the pedicab, she'll be playing a track with a with a fiddle and a guitar. It's a one man band, and she's unbelievable. And like there was a day where we literally just walked around and followed them for about an hour and a half. It was as oh my god, it was as good of a day as we've had in two months. Um, but yeah, you, that, that sense of normalcy, it's, it's Chris, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about and trying to envision is, and nobody knows the answers to a lot of these things, but how do you see it reopening? I mean, we've talked about this cause it's what we focus on as festivals and how, what a big moneymaker they are and that the industry sort of is, and I think Brad, I think you said the industry right now would like to see the artists available to do the festivals right because they're such big money makers but do you see it going that way chris or do you see the the small guy the independents like you having a few shows testing the waters how, do, how does it open and, and, and I, i'm thinking in particular i thought brad a couple of shows ago the whole uh the window is closing thing is is a great analogy but not only is it closing, but there are more and more and more and more people trying to get through it. You know what I mean? So it's that bottleneck. So I'm not sure if that's a very clear question, but how, how do you, in your head, do you have a vision of how it sort of reopens, whether it's November or January? Yeah, I, I agree with Brad. I, I think most, I think most of the year is going to get scrapped ultimately. Um, and I'm not sure how that happens, but I think that's, uh, I don't know what steps, you know, lead us to scrapping the rest of the year, but I think that's what ultimately happens. And, uh, and the first ones to get back would be the small guys, uh, because uh, as regulations are developed for how to do it, um, which is one of the things that Neva has asked the federal government um, to be a part of, to actually lead the conversation of, um, of national guidelines for reopening. And I, I, Barry, I can't remember, we might have talked about that a little bit. You, because of the way touring works, we can't have different rules in different states and different cities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll bind you know, an artist's ability to tour across the country and make a living. It'll, it'll bind that down. Um, so we've, get, we've, gotta have, we've gotta have some standardization as much as we can. Um, and of course, this virus has to go away a lot more before we can get there. But, 
the, the small clubs, the ones that make it through are going to be able to bounce back pretty quick, you know, quicker than the big stuff because um, you know, you're going to be able to put 250 people in a room before you're going to be able to put 25,000 people in a room for sure. And, uh, and our content pipeline is a lot more easily accessible. So exit in, we've got, you know, a ton of amazing artists here in Nashville, local artists who could jump in and play the club. It's not going to, it's impossible to rebook the arena that quickly. I talked to a uh, artist that is one of these mid-tier. Uh, if you were thinking about festival posters, they're like a mid-tier festival poster artist. And they said that uh, the where they're scared is for bands in their on their level because every single artist is going to try and have a show next year. Yeah, they have to. They've got to make up some revenue. And you've got a, a let's say you let's say you've got Chris Cobb and, and exit in and you can put St. Paul in the Broken Bones and exit in because they need a they need to fill a date. Um, and then tomorrow night you've got uh, the revivalists, and the next night you get this, and the next night you get that. At some point, uh, the public runs out of money. Uh, so there's like Barry was saying, so many artists are going to try and flood the market, but can the market sustain literally everyone going on tour next year? No, absolutely not. It can't. I mean, that's part of the you know the long road to recovery. I can't say that enough. It's going to take live events a long time to get back to the way we remember them for all the reasons we talked about before all the reasons you're mentioning now um it's all gonna combine into a really difficult situation also let's throw into all of your variables here what if there's half as many venues for them to play Man, I didn't even think that that window. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think about the, the the economic toll taking so many venues out. Yeah. yeah well, we're we're already uh, starting to see closures. We're already, you know, we are already starting to pop up. Oh, we're not going to reopen. You know, it's been a good run, but this is it. And, and in all in all sorts of businesses, but I saw two or three venues this week announced that, you know, they're just not going to come back because if you were Again, margins are tight. It's hard. Um, any business that was on the brink before this thing came through, uh, they're probably not going to not going to make it. Yeah. Well, uh, we do wish you know you the best and, and all of your uh, independent people. By the way, if you um, if you have a link or or a website or anything that we can uh, go check out, we can uh, pass it along. I hope that uh, we can help in any way we can. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. yeah and, Chris, uh, anything you know, we guess... didn't ask? Anything, uh, especially with Neva? Anything upcoming that uh, people need well, to know, or you wanted to mention? I would. I would say that I'm. I'm sure we won't see you at Bonnaroo this year, uh, because that's just been your history. But uh, <laughs> but this year, I know we won't be seeing you at Bonnaroo. So um, there's no Bonnaroo. I just. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't think of any possible way that works. And and basically, the conversation with you. Uh, pretty much seals the deal for me. Well, by the way, as as a patron of Bonnaroo or a patron or an owner of a venue, would you feel comfortable going to the farm in September? Uh, I I don't know about September, but there's I'm not right now. No way. We're not going anywhere, man. Without without a vaccine, I think it's going to be pretty impossible for you to get anybody out of the house short of having a Toby Keith and Kid Rock concert. 
that I, I think invest invest in a ma- in a, any mask company you can right now. Yeah. A and and B, dude, it was like you know. I, I mean, it took me thirty minutes to get ready to go to the grocery to buy coffee last night so that I could talk to you guys this morning. That <laughs> the gloves, the mask, the hand sanitizer, like man, don't come near, bro. Like you well, can't do that. Farm. If, if you if you need to send us a bill, uh, you can make the uh, <laughs> you can send it to Lord Taco, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh no. I have to admit to being. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but we went to the flower shop here, a nursery yesterday. My God, you would have thought it was Mother's Day and nothing yep. had ever happened. We did the exact same thing. Packed. And, Absolutely mean, it, packed. Packed. And it was in and out for us, but, you know, I'm looking around and like, where's, you know, where's the... Uh, anyway, like yeah. I said, I was embarrassed, but we did it. No. We have flowers. I understand. All right, well, enjoy... Picked up flowers at the grocery too, so it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, enjoy, Chris, enjoy your palace of solitude, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so it's much, my, man. It's Thank my you. pleasure. I've got, I've got written down tea. Uh, we didn't get to talk about tea, which I like to talk about. I've okay. got written down uh, okay, yeah. drive, drive-in concerts. We didn't get to that. Wait, um, okay, so. I'll, I'll talk to you about driving concerts. It's the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the dumbest rave in my car it sounds like the Which, by the way, has anyone ever been to a rave? Do you know what they do to their bodies at a rave? You want a, bit, you want a group of people leaving that venue in their Toyota Tercel uh, hopped up or whatever acid they've done? That's out of your mind. That is the dumbest thing I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's all I got. There it is. <laughs> How when do you, you really you, feel? When you said no. you wanted to talk about it, obviously what you meant was you wanted to hear me talk about it. Yeah, you wanted you wondered what Brad thought. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, you were talking. You wanted to talk about herbs. Well, you, <laughs> <laughs> so my wife's best friend in the world, um, her tea shop here in Nashville got totally wiped out. In so the tornado. that's so that tea shop. It, what's the name of that tea shop in Nashville? High Garden. High Garden, yeah. So High Garden was the inspiration that the wife had to open her tea shop. Um, and Yeah, and High Garden is, a, is an amazingly beautiful space ran by really, really great people. It was. And, now, was and now, yeah, now it's gone. And um, Nashville lost a, a huge part of that community. Um, boy, East Nashville, a load of stuff in East Nashville that really, really was, was part of that heartbeat was yeah. just erased in the tornadoes. It's a hard one to punch up here. Um, what's the name of your shop? Wildflower Tea Shop and Apothecary. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What's the website? Wildflowertea.com. Tea Shop. Wildflowerteashop.com. There you go. It's right, right across from the Choo Choo, Chris. Yeah. Right across from the Choo Choo. Beautiful awesome. place. Yeah. Awesome. She's she's done she's done really well, and uh, it's it's the most Instagrammable place in the entire ten, uh, Tennessee Valley. Is my is my nice. calling is is my salesmanship on it. That's all I got for you. So well, if, you really, if you really need a, a cute grammable moment, which I know that you're obsessed with doing it for the gram, but, uh, that's your spot. So High Garden, um, you know, they've moved into uh, into online orders, uh, uh, mail order, and are doing really really well. Um, you know, they had they had ahead of this, they had gone and, and moved their commercial kitchen t- uh, to their private residence. So they they built a structure out back with a commercial kitchen and, and got the permits all moved over oh, there, oh, which is extremely extremely fortunate. So they've been able to really pivot quickly um, 
and are thriving in the online marketplace right now, even with the store gone. So oh, that's good to hear. Throw that in there. That it, it's it does suck horribly. That uh, East Nashville will never be the same. You know, we we saw this with the floods. Like so much of uh, like you said, the heartbeat of these communities gets wiped out when you go through these things like natural disasters and whatever else. But uh, positive story for for High Garden that that's they're, good to they're hear. Still able to get the the tea the product out there that so many people want. That's great to hear. I know um, I'm like pushing us way over here, but I, no, I was okay. gonna say we should do this again. And we could talk about tea and we could talk about drive-ins, but okay. I won't read it by myself. That's rude. I yeah. know better. Well, uh, you, can, you can join her on her tea podcast. Uh, it's called uh, The Brew. Um, which teas this year that drink? Uh, so a very, very well-renowned podcast. I think you uh, overstayed your welcome, Brad. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Getting tired. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. As always, thanks so much. It uh, it doesn't feel good to hear it out loud from somebody who is um, in it, uh, but that conversation with Chris uh, was a more expanded version of pretty much every conversation I've had for the last uh, six weeks. That's why I wanted to have him on. Um, I mean, you've been, you have been saying this since the beginning. Uh, I've been hearing similar, not quite from the same level of people that you have, but he and I had a, that conversation a couple of weeks ago for a story, and I thought he would be, um, I thought he would be informative, and he was. He's great. He was great. He was, he was really great. And we give Chris a hard time, and we should have told the backstory, but uh, Chris showed up at camp. None of us knew him, uh, but we were forced to create a giant cartoon head on a stick for him. Uh, everybody at camp at Camp Nut Butter has a giant cartoon head on the stick. Uh, we also have a giant lit cartoon marquee that you walk through, as well as our 600, 700 square feet of carpeting, uh, Lord Taco's Volkswagen bus. But at the time, this is like 12 years ago now. By the way, I was thinking, how old are the heads, uh, the giant cartoon heads on the stick? That's a great question. I, I don't, don't know. know. I know I started going in 07. I probably didn't meet, start really seeing you guys until... 12. Yeah. Yeah. So, so our camp was, was was started in 2009 with the people that that the the four or five of us that started it, and then the heads came around 2012, and we were told to by Mike Dewar to make a head for Chris Cobb. So we did. Me and my buddy Nick, we did, um, and we didn't know him. So we show up. We put his uh, put his head in the ground. He shows up and he whips up some eggs, and then he leaves the next day. And we're like, well, okay, he was here for 24 hours. That's fine. We'll talk to him next year. Take your head. He, he forgets his head, uh, which was strike one. So we took his head and we threw it in the trash because uh, we were not going to carry it back and forth with him. And I think that from there, he just got mad. He never came back. Never came back until literally last year. He must have heard about the head getting thrown away. Seven years. Seven years he waited to come back to camp. Yeah. Uh, I, and finally, I think it's finally just fascinating did. that he was there last year and the only one not there was Dewar. Because uh, yeah. even Joe Winland, he's got a head. I know. He was there last year for two seconds. Tough. Yes. Very tough. Uh, so anyway, that's all right. It's, by the way, uh, it's a strange camp thing that we that we do. Do you have a uh, want to share your strangest camp thing that you bring? The strangest thing you pack? Ooh. Um, the strangest? Yeah. Um, One of the oddest thing that, that would make somebody go, huh? Because I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, I was like, man, where's that full-length mirror that I bring to Bonnaroo? Yeah. 
I literally bring a full-length mirror to Bonnaroo because I got to make sure the whole package is ready to go to go out during the day. I can't think of anything that would be – I know I overpack. I know every year I think all I need are good shoes, you know, cooler, mm-hmm. air mattresses, and then my truck is packed, mostly because I'm bringing stuff for you. Which I, <laughs> I haven't, have yet to figure out how that works. <laughs> Well, we appreciate. It. I get you. the panic call the day before. Yeah, the funniest. The funniest one I remember was. You're gonna start bringing a U-Haul every year. Well, well, the funniest one I remember was meeting you and Hillary at your house to caravan, and she wanted to bring her hula hoop, mm-hmm. and you didn't have space for it. No, no more. No more. <laughs> no. Well, last right. year I I brought the uh, I brought the couch and the generator in the bus and. That weighed me down pretty well. That uh, going over Mount Mount Eagle Mountain, it was it was pretty slow, pretty yeah. slow on the bus. Yeah, well, tough. You had to, tough. it was it was so bad for Taco. He had to ditch a person. Yeah, tell somebody <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, and said, then, you got to get out. Uh, you got choice. Room. Yeah, I, got, I got. I only got so much room. We need yeah. a couch. Yeah, the couch just got to make it. I'm choosing the couch generator over a human being. That's why yeah. you were chasing tail all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any brain. There you go. Uh, what podcast? Uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week, hopefully with uh, something. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, right. talk to you then. Bye. See you guys. Hey, 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 hey. How y'all Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. Yay. With Brad Steiner and Barry Quarter.